Welcome to the On Our Way Home podcast for our Cornerstone family and friends. The goal of On Our Way Home is to encourage you to keep taking steps with Jesus, with Cornerstone, and with a few close friends so that we'll keep on Jesus' path. This is a path of truth, which leads to life with the Father. I'm Ryan, and I'm your host today, and I'm joined by one of our elders, Mark Barnett. Uh, it's great to have you with us today, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. First time in the seat. This is uh, very good. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Mark, your family? Yep. Um, married to my wife, Lisa. We've been married just over 41 years. That's good. have uh, three children. Paul is our oldest, his wife, Hannah, and uh, David, and his wife, Marissa, and our two grandkids, and then our daughter, Anna. Wow, so you're a grandpa. I am a grandpa. You like that, I bet. I like that. <laughs> That's good. Apparently, as you get your, one of the prerequisites to being a grandpa, is your hair has to turn white or gray. Or whatever. Yeah, you're looking so, pretty. Uh, so. You're looking, 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 looking pretty <laughs> silver today. If I could get that out of my That's mouth, certainly easy for you to say. But yes. yes. <laughs> today we are continuing our discussion of the book "Come and See" by Todd Wagner, and the subtitle of the book, right on the cover, there is "Everything You Wanted in the One Place You Would Never Look." Which catches your attention right off, right out of the gate, um, and we're really talking about the importance of being a follower of Jesus who is actively involved in a local church. And so the come and see is really come and see Jesus, who is empowering His church, empowering His people to be the church, and uh, that's really an important step that we want everyone to take. We want everyone to believe in Jesus, and we do want everyone to be a part of a local church. Wouldn't you say so, Mark? I, it's absolutely critical. Yes. So, for you, when did you accept Christ as your Savior? Um, I was, uh, just before I turned six, it was in the winter. Um, my mom was in the kitchen um, cooking dinner about 5.30, and uh, I remember being concerned that uh, that uh, I didn't know where I was going to go when I died. And I was preoccupied with that thought and yeah. came into the kitchen table and asked my mom and she led me there in, uh, in a sinner's prayer and explained to me that if I was, if I trusted uh, Jesus Christ as my Savior, that I'd be with him in heaven when I, when I died. Wow. And so, like I said, just before I was six years old, um, again, I'm you know that's that's been a lot of years ago. Yeah, I've spent most of my time in church. Uh, but when I was about thirteen years old, I remember um, having doubts. Maybe did 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 my level of faith that I that I needed to have in my mind did it was it present in a in a five and a half year old? Was that uh, mm-hmm. did I do everything I needed to do? Yeah, and I remember going forward in church at the time and and. Um, pastor and my dad was with me and my pastor prayed and yeah first of all he told me he says you you accepted jesus christ by faith when you were five and that's the amount of faith that you need and jesus did the rest um jesus shed his blood for for my sins his payment for my sins and so yeah that time at 13 it was really a great time of of uh just reassuring me so right so you're reevaluating and that's always good i mean we want to make sure that we know Christ and that we have believed in Christ and we want to keep on believing in Amen. Jesus so that's i mean that's really important so your family it sounds like from your story that your family was active in a local church somewhere yep um we were i was when i was born in the first several years at uh this is in Waterford, Michigan, over in the Detroit area. Yep. Um, Calvary Baptist Church, and then, uh, and that's where we went then. And then we 
continued in the church. So. Yeah. So when did you? So that's when you accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe uh, when you were younger, and then reaffirmed that when you were thirteen. But then, how did you get plugged into the church? So, um, how did you do that? Yep. As a as a young teen, we went. Uh, we began attending Sunnyvale Chapel, which. Um, which again is in Waterford in my teen years and and youth group was the one of the reasons that we went to that church was there was just a, a what I would consider for the time a massive youth group and a just a great youth ministry and you had a lot of friends there probably a lot of friends and made a lot of friends and I just found that that's where everybody picks social groups that they 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 ally themselves with and that's that's where the most of the people that I did things with and hung out after school and that kind of thing were people that I had encountered in the youth group. And that was just a really f- formative time in my life. Yeah, so you were soaking up some good teaching probably. Yep. And uh, did were you involved in any projects at all or serving things or mission trips or anything like that? We did some mission trips. Uh, of course, we you know did the, the camp and, and those types of things. And I remember... Um, just the importance in my in my young Christian life of there's always that night at camp, right? There's always that night where you're challenged and yep. a particular message or a devotional that you've heard around the campfire, you have an opportunity to, to make some decisions. And I just remember those being pivotal in my life. That's pretty sweet. Yep. Campfire decisions, um, for some kids, it's like the mountaintop experience. Yep. But they actually uh, make a difference in your real life outside of camp. So oh, absolutely. That's really, really awesome. Um, love to hear those. I love to hear everybody's story. Um, everybody does have a story. If you believed in Jesus, sometimes people think, oh, I don't have a really good story. But uh, yes, you do. I mean, if you've been saved, I mean, that's a great story. I remember one time as, uh, as uh, I, was, I was working, so I was probably 22 or 23 years old, and I was lamenting to another guy that had come to come to faith later in life after having experienced and, and made a number of different mistakes and yep. but he was very on fire and I told him about you know uh, growing up I'd seen these evangelists and you know uh, recovered or or uh, people that were gang members or into drugs or doing all these things and they had this dramatic transformation this dramatic dramatic um, conversion experience and I said you know I just really thought uh, this was at 22 years of age or so really thought that that would be pretty cool to have yes. just that kind of a fiery day and night white and black you know just just a, an absolute 180 transformation story yeah and I remember we were riding in a car and he he, he slowed down pulled over in the, in the uh, side of the uh, road yeah. and put the car in park and pointed right at me. And he says, don't ever second guess how God brought you to faith. Whoa. He says, I've done this, this, this. And he says, I've got scars for each of these decisions. Oh, man. He said, that was God's way of keeping you from those scars and those bad decisions. Don't ever regret the way that you came to faith. And he was so emphatic about that. They just hear these, what? Forty uh, some years later, yeah. it still seems like yesterday that he challenged me. And, and you know, the scripture talks about iron sharpening iron, and he he put an edge on me that day. You know, in terms of mm. what what I was thinking and and what I really needed to consider. Yeah, it is really serious when someone pulls over to the side of the road. Thankfully, he pulled over because you know, he was pretty he was pretty worked out. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, my mom has pulled over on the side of the road with me a couple times in my life, and it's like, oh, I wish we wouldn't have pulled over. But uh, good education and good <laughs> instruction happened. That's good. The main idea of this uh, chapter is uh, called changing ships. So the it's all about uh, the difference between a cruise ship versus a battleship, and so the analogy is the church. Is 
like a ship, and uh, there are big differences between a cruise liner and a battleship. Um, can you? What are some of the things that? And, and so, I mean, we're kind of jumping the gun here, but you, the church wants to be a battleship, according to Todd Wagner. Right. And so, there's the the cruise ship will get to a destination, but it's going to get there in a different way than a battleship would get there. So, what are those? When you're thinking of the differences between cruise and battle, what are those things that pop into your mind, Mark? Well, I guess some of the thoughts that occurred to me when I was reading this chapter was that certainly they're both modes of transportation, get from point A to point B. But they're, yep. you know, in in the battleship situation, everyone on board has a battle station. Everyone has has a a, a, a an assignment that they that they have to uh, fulfill. Um, cruise ship. Um, so, so with a battleship, the, each each crew member is serving, right? They're doing serving a purpose. Everybody has a job. Amen. Um, and then with uh, on a cruise ship, I, I I thought of that more in terms of being served. Uh, in one station, in, in a battleship, they're bat, they're manning a battle station. I, I, in my mind's eye, I saw on a cruise ship, I'm, I'm oc- occupying a chaise lounge, right? And it's, <laughs> it's just a, it's a different mindset as to what the what your purpose is. Nobody's going to notice if I'm not in my chaise lounge at three o'clock in you know in an afternoon. Somebody's going to notice if my job is is to to throttle up the engines and I'm not there on my on my battle station, right? Or I'm not there on my job assignment. That's going to be apparent. Yes, yeah, and so there's a really big difference between having a serve me mentality yep. and a I'm here to serve mentality. Um, on page 81 in the book, uh, Todd says that both ships float, but they could not be more different in their culture, in their mission, and their expectations of the passengers or the crew. So there's like everything is different. I mean, it certainly is going to get you from point A to point B, but a battleship is you're in battle. So I think we were talking before we started recording, you know, if um, uh, if your coffee is not exactly <laughs> warm, um, you know, if you're on a cruise liner, that's a big deal. Well, if you're, again, what pops to my mind is, is if if your job is to gas the ship or or to push the throttle forward and, and, and propel the ship faster, if uh, if somebody's failed to do their job of putting fuel in the tank or switching tanks when it's necessary, yes. that's a big deal. Right. Yes. Um, if somebody's failed to warm my coffee as a cruise ship, uh, yes, uh, um, uh, person, then that's that's not such a big deal. Yes. Um, and the crew, uh, the cruise ship mentality, as as I see it, is is one looking to be served as opposed to one, you know, fulfilling or participating in the fulfilling of a mission on a battleship. Right. And so on the podcast, I mean, we have people listening, and they may be involved in a local church. Hopefully, they are. And if they are, one of the questions we want them to kind of be thinking through. This is kind of what smacked me in the face when I read this chapter, is what is my mentality? You know, what are my thoughts? Am I do I want people to serve me? You know, or right. and do I want to serve? Um, Jesus laid out the model for us that he came to not to be served, but to serve. And right. so we really do want to be more of a um, more of a battleship. Um, there's a big difference between being a consumer and being a contributor. Right. You know, I would bet that the commander of a battleship would say to his crew that there is no small and significant job aboard that vessel. Right. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether you're the person that cooks the meals, right. moves the food from the freezer to the kitchen, um, 
you know, does whatever, transfers supplies from a supply ship, whatever they do causes that ship to go forward. Right. It's all a part of the mission, right? right. So if you guys, if you ha- are cooking and you have provided great meals that give people energy to do their jobs on the ship, I mean, that's a great, that's a big win for the for the team right there, regardless of whether you're the captain or the, you know, the ensign or whatever part you're on the, mm-hmm. you're on the ship. Right. And that, and that makes a big difference. Um Sometimes I think when we have a serve me mentality, um, he had a really big quote from, uh, I think he pulled out a Henry David Thoreau quote here (laughs) from somewhere. It's like, man, that's a, this is a pretty serious quote. The mass of men and women lead lives of quiet desperation. Oh man, that sounds pretty rough. If we're being honest with ourselves, if, if we don't have a mission, we don't have a, a job or we don't have a... A purpose. Let me just say that. I don't mean. Um, then, then we have time to sit and think about any number of things. But if you're on, if you're actively engaged in pushing, you know, causing the battleship to go forward, right? Yeah. Um, you're fulfilling. You're fulfilling that purpose. Uh, again, not to weigh too heavy on the battleship yeah. illustration, but the idea that the more time I have sitting around and worrying about my creature comforts and that type of thing, yeah, the more likely I am not to not to be concerned with God's. God's purpose for me. Right. One of the best realizations and most painful realizations you could ever have probably is that the world does not revolve around me. (laughs) You have grandkids. Yes, I do. And some of them are maybe two or three. Yep. Or I don't know how... A little bit older. She's about four and a half. Yeah. So she's already had that realization, especially if she has another younger sibling. You know, when you, whenever you have a younger sibling, you realize, oh, no, it's not about me anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, it's about them. Yep. It's like, yes, but they're a part of the family. And it is really good to know. I mean, if I'm a selfish person, let's just be honest here, Mark. We are selfish. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, absolutely. and that's, it's good to know that. And then, then to kick it into changing that by being a part of a local church where you're following Jesus, because yeah. I am firmly convinced if you are a part of a local church and you are trying to follow Jesus because he's redeemed you already, mm-hmm. he's given you the oomph the, through the Holy Spirit to begin this change process, then you enter into a relationship with other people, stuff's going to start happening. Yep. You're not going to be able to stay the same. I pulled out a quote from uh, my uh, PBS viewing mentor. days here. Yes, my re- my mentor, Red Green. <laughs> oh, you highlighted it. <laughs> I colored it. You colored it in red and green. That's <laughs> very appropriate. Yes, like his uh, suspenders that he wears on the, on the show, keeping our uh, uh, stick on the ice here. But uh, he said, "I'm a man." And I can. This is the man's prayer, which he they prayed at every uh, Possum Lodge meeting. Way too much information for some people listening to this <laughs> podcast right now. But I'm a man, and I can change if I have to. I guess <laughs> that's a great prayer. <laughs> Not so much, but so we. But we can change. So some of us is like, well, I don't know. You know, isn't like uh, serving in ministry, serving in a church, isn't that like for like the pastor to do? Isn't that sort of like for like, you know, the elders to do or the deacons or the deaconesses? I mean, the isn't that like for church leadership to do? I mean, what do you what do you do if you're just like, quote unquote, just a regular, regular Joe or regular, you know, Jane in the church? We really do expect people and Jesus does expect everyone to serve. 
Yeah, I mean, um, they use the, uh, scripturally, the idea of the body, a physical body. Uh, they liken each person, regardless of your gifts or talents or skills, each member is important, right? So yes. to kind of steer away from a little bit the battleship analogy and use the, the body itself, um, the, you know, if one if one part's missing, it's noticed by the whole body, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and the, yeah. So every little part of our body, I mean... I don't necessarily think my eyelashes are that important. But when one's in your eye, you know it's there. Uh, yes. And when I go down to the beach, say in the summertime in Ludington, and the sand is blowing, man, I am really grateful for my eyelashes because <laughs> they're keeping all the sand out of my eyes. So yep. that's, I mean, that's really, um, really, really good. Um, we really do need, I think that if we return to the Lord, this is one of those things where uh, as a church, it's easy to drift off of mission. So I think that uh, one of the thoughts, too, is that if you're in cruise ship mode and you shift to battleship mode, then you're like, okay, we're going to always be in battleship mode. But actually, I think it's we can kind of fluctuate back and forth between the two, and it's easy to get off of mission. I don't, I don't know. I'm making a declarative statement there, but how do you respond to that, Mark? How easy is it to keep a group of people on mission? I think being act, for the group to be actively focused on what the mission is, I think there's going to be downtime like there is in so many walk areas of life, but mm-hmm. I think that everybody needs to be clear. I need to be clear of what the goal is. Right. I, I always need to know that. Right. Whether I'm physically doing something that's accomplishing that goal um, I don't want to fall into a situation where I'm doing something in a downtime that would that would be detrimental to the accomplishment of the goal. So yeah, yeah. So we're as a church, we need to be making disciples. Right. And so, how does I think it's very helpful for all of us if that is our main goal. So we need to be helping share the gospel with people so that they can believe in Jesus. That we need to be even before that building relationships with people before they accept Christ. So that we are sort of have like a, hey, come to our family kind of thing. We now you're a part of the family, a part of our local church, and we, and now we're going to walk together with Christ. So that our goal is to make disciples, and then the process is every little part does play a part, you yep. know, of that thing. Whether, you know, I know that you're involved in a missional life group also here at Cornerstone Mark, and sometimes you have good snacks. Yep. <laughs> But we're trying to change our focus so the snack is not the focus. <laughs> our relationship with each other is a focus. Yes. And a snack is something to do while the other person is talking, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> I heard you. Pass the dip, right? So, yeah. So, but the person who brings a snack to group, is that's a part of the thing, right? Yep, so, yep. I mean, everybody can do a little something to uh, provide for the discipleship goal. One of the quotes in the in the Bible, it's, or in the, not the Bible, <laughs> come and see is not the Bible. <laughs> the Bible is the Bible. Um, but the real gospel changes the way we think, feel, and the way we act. It says it actually changes our daily lives, and it really changes everything. How do you respond to that, Mark, that the gospel should be changing everything about our lives? Well, first and foremost, I mean, it... The gospel is, is that somebody else cared so much for me that they're willing to come, die a cruel death, yep. shed their blood, and save me. They didn't need to save Jesus Christ did not need to save himself. He lived a perfect life. Right. But he did so. He volunteered to do that so that he could 
give me a hope and everyone else a hope of, of spending eternity with him. Right. Um, that kind of pulls you out of yourself when you when you understand when I understand and accept that fact that Jesus did that for me, it makes me understand that I need to be willing to do things for others and, and to obey Christ because that's what I'm because that's why He saved me. Right. Yep. And so we are saved to be reaching out to others, and uh, you know, once we're saved, it's like, okay, now I'm fine. Let me sail on the cruise ship. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm saved, and now I need to live my life on mission, not only with myself. So um, we've talked a lot in previous podcasts about it. This thing, the church, God doesn't save us just to be a Jesus and me kind of thing. And He also didn't save us for me to find fault in what other people are doing wrong. <laughs> Ouch. He, he's, <laughs> right. You know, the Holy Spirit can take care of that just fine on, on his own, right? Yes. And so I need to check myself and I need to make sure that I'm not walking around with a clipboard and a checklist of things that, you know, that people are, that people are doing. Yeah. So what's the name of your church? I don't know. We're the checklist church. <laughs> oh, man. Where can I sign up for that, right? And it's like, no, where can I not sign up for that? So we don't want to be that sort of thing. It is true that Jesus does really save us. So he does yep. save us personally. Mm-hmm. But it is also true that anyone who has a real relationship with Jesus will want to live in relationship with others. And I think that takes care of the checklist kind of thing. Because right. if I'm in relationship with you, I mean... I don't think I've thought about one checklist thing since you've stepped into the recording area here. <laughs> you know, other than our goal is just to have a nice conversation. Right. And so, are we doing that? And it's like, I hope so. You know, and I hope people are going to benefit from hearing your story and uh, learning that, you know, we do really want to make sure that we're living our life on mission for Christ. One of the pictures that Todd Wagner goes back to, and actually the scriptures refer to the church always, is the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the bride is beautiful, and uh, we want to be a, a church that is following Christ. And I think that a lot of our beauty comes when we reflect Jesus. We are about loving, serving, and sending, right? We are mm-hmm. loving God and loving one another, serving God and serving each other in our community. And we do believe we are sent on God's mission to reach people that we may know that don't know Christ. Um, the way that we live our lives out on mission can be messy, um, but it's beautiful, it's uh, humble, it's forgiving, and uh, something that I can't live without anymore. Living life on mission is why we're here. I, and I would say, you know, people, um, we expect to go into certain areas and see people being a certain way. We expect to walk into church and, and we expect to see uh, people that are perfect, right? Yes. Um, we expect to go in and, and to see a bunch of people that got it all figured out. I can only speak for myself. I don't have it all figured out. Right. God's got it all figured out, and He's going to lead me in my in in my life. Uh, but again, I got to remember, I don't go into a hospital and expect to see people in the peak of health. They're, they're right. they go there for a reason. Right. And uh, I guess I would just say that I would encourage anybody that uh, is looking uh, to to get involved in a church not to not to look for perfect church because you'll never step into a church. Right. But we want you to step into relationship with a group of people. And I think that in those messy relationships with Jesus as the center, there, there's a lot of great things that can happen there. Right. And uh, that's what we want to be about. So I just want to thank you, Mark, for being a part of our discussion today. 
Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, and uh, we want to thank everyone who's listening to the On Our Way Home podcast, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. We hope you find great satisfaction in your relationship with Jesus and with a few others, and hopefully a part of a local church as well. And we will catch you next time on On Our Way Home. Take care.